Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Well, welcome to Real Cup Radio, where this evening we have Beth Batchner online. And if you need to hear or be inspired by anything like in the Word of God, the Hannah experience, she's the perfect one to encourage you today. Welcome, Beth. Well, thank you very much. So happy to be here with you all today. I appreciate it. Uh, Why don't you just go ahead and start where you'd like to start and encourage the audience who's listening. Sure, you bet. Well, basically, I am a a modern-day Hannah. My husband and I got married in 1992 in our late 20s. Pretty much wanted to have kids right away. All of my siblings had uh, been married except for one and had kids, all of my friends. And so I had the uh, joy of watching friends and family have children and they start to grow up. My husband and I always wanted kids and so we thought, well, why not start trying right away? Nothing was happening. And by 1997, five years later, we decided that we would really start trying in earnest. And I went to see several doctors and was told that I would not be able to have children. So that began a long period of time of sorrow, despair, you know, watching friends and family and things like that where people, you know, lots of children, and of course, you try to be so happy and put on a smiley face for everyone, a brave face, when you see all of that, uh, the kids coming along and the joy that they are experiencing, knowing you're not, you're not going to be able to, based on what doctors have said. But I kept on clinging to the verse in the Bible in Psalm 37, verses 4 through 5. I'll read it real quick to you where it says, um, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And the key word in there, I believe, is delighting in the Lord and being satisfied with the Lord and content with what he brings into our lives, but yet still praying in accordance with the Lord's will and asking and petitioning what you really are longing for. And I long to be a mother. And so I committed my way unto the Lord, had to learn how to trust him. And he took me through a lot of years of of trusting him. During the years uh, from 1997 to 2001, like I said, I'd seen a lot of doctors in that time frame, felt discouraged by what they had to say, but I kept on praying. And one evening, or actually it was in the middle of the night, I was awakened in 2001, and I was directed to a devotional that I was reading through at that time. In the devotional... I just had flipped to a page, and it happened to be the story of Hannah, and it referenced the 1 Samuel account of Hannah, where she was a woman who 
was longing to be a mother. Her husband also had another wife. I don't know if it's pronounced Penina or Penina, and she was an unkind woman. She was kind of uh, harassing or teasing Hannah that uh, she was not able to have kids like Penina was able to. And Hannah was distraught, went to the temple to pray, and there Eli encountered her. She was in such agony and prayer that he thought she was drunk, when in fact she wasn't. She was just praying in earnest and pouring her heart out to God. And he at that time said, God has heard your prayer. Go home. Nourish yourself. Encourage yourself. At that time, it just blew me away, and it just straight, went straight to my soul that God had heard had heard my cries, just like he had heard Hannah's. So that was in 2001. Over the next three, almost four years, I went to more doctors and ended up having a couple of surgeries to reverse, um, hopefully, the infertility that I was experiencing still no no pregnancy, and um, I actually even had to go through several rounds of fertility drugs after that. And one day, I was driving home. I remember the day, and I remember the day because I still have the package with the receipt stapled to it with the date on it, and it was in October of 2004. I had just picked up my next round of fertility drugs at the pharmacy. And on my way home as I was driving, I didn't audibly hear the Lord, but my heart heard the Lord speak to me. And it was almost not a chastisement, but it felt like a little bit of a reprimand from the Lord saying, do you trust me? And I said, wow, yeah, yeah, Lord, you know, stunned that I knew this was God speaking to me. And he said, do you trust me? And I said, yes, Lord, I do, I do. And he said to me, then stop taking those drugs. That was so hard. I I wept all the way home because I knew that I was no longer going to be placing any trust in man's efforts to help get me pregnant, but I was going to have to fully trust in the Lord. That was difficult. That was really hard for me. I had to wait another nine months. The Lord made me wait another nine months, but I had always prayed and said, Father, I really believe you're going to answer my prayer based upon in 2001 when you awakened me and told me, I've heard your promise. I've heard your cry. You're going to be like a Hannah. I had to wait years for the answer, but after I heard him in the car in my heart to stop taking the fertility drugs, I I started to pray, and I said, Lord, I'm almost 40. I really would like like to be a mother by the time I turn 40. And so that was just a prayer that I'd never shared with anyone this whole this whole journey that I was on was pretty personal. I didn't really talk about it with a lot of people, the pain that I was feeling about being infertile and not being able to uh, mother a child and, and all of these things um, that you go through. It was pretty personal. I kept it pretty close to my heart. But that prayer was there in my heart that I said, Lord, I, I really want to be a mom by the time I'm 40. Well, June 19th, 2005 came along, and that happened to be Father's Day. I was born on a Father's Day. And um, my husband and I celebrated my birthday. That night we went to church. The pastor asked all of the fathers to stand up in the, um, in the sanctuary. 
then he stopped himself and said, no, no, I want all the men to stand up. And he prayed a prayer, a, a father's blessing over them. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Well, little did I know that I had already conceived on my birthday that day, that morning, actually. And so God had answered my prayer. I became pregnant on my 40th birthday, and it was Father's Day. And I still have my driver's license (laughs) because I had renewed my license two days before that. So I have these little mementos to remind me of these, these markers that happened in my life during those times. So God had not only heard my cry like he heard Hannah, he made me wait for it and trust him. I had to believe, even when all the doctors were saying, nope, it's not going to happen, I still had to wait and trust in the Lord. And I did. Nine months later, actually just shy of 10 months later, Ben was born. And that's a whole other story. We have a, he, he's truly a miracle. We, I don't know if you want me to go into that about how we almost lost him, but we watched God do some pretty miraculous things over the next uh, um, few months after his birth. But that's the story of, of how he came into the world as far as his, his conception and everything and how God really <laughs> was a testing period of many, many years and trusting that what he said was going to come to pass, even though the doctors were saying no. And what I found in that waiting time is that it doesn't matter what people say, what the world says, as far as even doctors or medical science. If God wants something to happen, it's going to. And we just have to trust. You know, when you go through a test like that and you're believing for something, doesn't it seem like when it's over and you've passed the test and received what the Lord's been showing you, don't you just sit there and go, I am so glad I continued on? Oh, yeah. It's like the whole time was worth it. Yes, the fight to get there, it, it takes a long and there's heartache and all that. But once you get to that point, I found when I went through a different kind of test, I just said to myself, I am so glad that I persisted mm-hmm. and would not let go of that. Yes, absolutely. So. I agree with that 100%, Julie. It's never easy when you're going through a test. It's never easy. But we do have hope, hope in the Lord, and that makes it easier when we place our trust and keep our eyes focused on on what the Lord has to say about something. I mean, if we come to him with asking in Jesus' name and in accordance with the will of the Father, what we ask will be ours. And so I, I really, you know, that that was a long testing period. I mean, in years, oftentimes we don't, sometimes the Lord gives us what we want, sometimes right away, sometimes we have to wait a long time, and sometimes the answer is no, if it's not in accordance with his will. But the whole thing is that we are learning to draw closer to the Lord. These times of testing are meant to do that, to draw us closer and not to rely on our own strength, but to rely on him. And yes, it's worth the wait. It's always worth the wait. Is it kind of like the signifying of having a baby, you know, the pain of having the baby, but once it's come and conceived, then it's forgotten? Yes, yes. Oh, that pain, it's gone, it's wonderful, look at this beautiful blessing here. Yes, yes, 
I mean, that's true. I mean, and, and honestly, you know, the story is pretty amazing going forward, what happened with him and the whole waiting period is painful. It is laborious. It's long. It's like giving birth, the labor pains of, you know, the waiting period. And it's so worth it because the pain does disappear. But even in the waiting, if we are crawled up in our father's lap and not trying to, you know, bear that pain alone, it's so much easier. You know, we are to pray. The Lord says to pray without ceasing, but we're not to carry the burden of that. You know, we are to lay the burden at his feet. And I know that's difficult. And I'm saying that because from experience, you know, I know there's many of our listeners that of your listeners that are are going through what I went through right now. And I, I understand that it's hard. And it's long. And it feels like it's never going to end. And the answer may never come. But your Heavenly Father cares. He knows what he's doing. There is a reason for the delay. And if you just trust the Lord, you know, just like what the scripture said, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. But before that, there's the delighting in the Lord part. And then it says, commit your way to him and he shall bring it to pass. And there's the committing your way to the Lord before he brings it to pass. And so we oftentimes are like, no, 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 I want my way. I don't want to delight in you. I want to delight in the gift more than the giver. And I don't want to commit my way. I want to do it my way. So, you know, the Lord does require us to to trust him and to delight in him. You know, when I was doing research on infertility and statistics, some of the statistics that we found were worldwide, one out of six mm-hmm. are having problems with conception. Right. Giving a, not just conception, because sometimes it's conception, but they, they're not giving birth. And there's all different types of problems. And they're saying in the statistics worldwide, it's 10 to 15% of couples. Wow. That's quite a lot. Yeah. They're having problems. And they're not. And then one statistic I also found was a third of it are the women like yourself that had the problem. A third of it are the men. And then the other third, they said, are both. Wow. So I don't know why it's in third, but that's what the statistics were saying. So I also thought of another scripture, too, pertaining to this situation. I like how you pinpointed on what he was showing you, but the other one that comes to mind is that he's no respecter of person. Mm-hmm. You know, he's no respecter whether it's you, Beth, or somebody else right now that's believing and being encouraged. Mm-hmm through what he's done for you, he'll do for them as well. Right. That's exactly right. So may you all receive what you need to receive and the encouragement as well. But do you want to go ahead and continue on on the next miracle that happened with him after? Go ahead. Sure. It's It's pretty incredible what happened afterwards. When I had... An incredibly perfect pregnancy. Um, most people gain weight. I lost 40 pounds during pregnancy and had every test done because I was an overweight and older gal who was pregnant. And so I had many ultrasounds done, many, and every one of them showed a healthy big baby boy. Oh, first I want to just say this because I think this is so cool. I was about four months pregnant, 
No, 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 no. Earlier than that, about three months pregnant. It was before they had determined he was a boy, and the initial guess was that it was going to be a girl. And so we had started to pick out girls' names, and I had gone to visit my sister in Canada and was sitting in church up in Canada next to a woman I'd never met before. All of a sudden, this woman grabs me by the shoulders in the middle of the service and looks at me and says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a man after God's own heart. And I looked at her, and I thought, okay, crazy lady. (laughs) The doctors have already guessed it's a girl. But I, I tucked that away in my heart because I had already been praying for this child that it would be a a person who would love the Lord and be a person after God's own heart. Well, I went to the doctor when I got home, and at 16 weeks, they had determined it was a boy. And I thought, oh, okay, okay, well, we're having a boy. All my doctor's appointments went well. The doctor said, you're like textbook pregnancy. We couldn't be happier with the way things are going. Everything's looking good. Well, March 18th, I woke up and knew that was the day, uh, March 18, 2006, and we rushed to the hospital with three minutes of heart contractions. They said, you're going to have this baby by noon, and it was like nine in the morning, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be fast, but yay. It didn't turn out that way. They, uh, it, it, a lot of difficulty happened. I'm not going to go into the, the gory details, but a lot of trouble happened. He was way too big, and they should have done a C-section. They didn't, so things had to happen naturally. By the time they got him out, they had to rush him away. They had a team of doctors working on him while they had a team of doctors working on me, not knowing what happened. They had to rush him to a different hospital where they had a NICU. And he ended up having uh, something called a shoulder dystocia birth where he was just so big they couldn't get him out. They had underestimated him by about three pounds, even with the ultrasounds. We were told that if he survived, he would be severely mentally retarded because of the lack of oxygen. What they have, when, they, when they got him out, they... Uh, his lungs had collapsed. He had inhaled meconium, and that collapsed his lungs, and he had uh, brain damage showing on the brain scans that they did, um, that he did have brain damage from the lack of oxygen during the difficult birth, and they had pulled so hard to get him out. They they really damaged his shoulder muscles on his left arm, left shoulder. All kinds of things went wrong. I mean, just a whole myriad of things, and uh, they rushed him to a different hospital. They didn't weigh him for three days, and even after all of the stress, and three days later, he still weighed 10 and a half pounds. So their best guesstimate was that he was about 11 pounds. They just had no explanation of why that had happened. We were approached by several attorneys saying, we'll represent you, but we felt strongly that the Lord said no don't do that. I want to get the glory. And so we didn't. We didn't pursue legal action. What ended up happening is he had a collapsed lung because they had to air bag his lungs and they they put too much air in there and they popped his little lungs. So they had to put a chest tube in him. He started having seizures just one thing after the other started to happen like a, a domino effect. 
He was one of the sickest babies in their NICU, but he was also the biggest baby in the NICU. And so we watched over the next 11 days God do miracle after miracle, though. We refused to hear anyone speak anything negative at all about his condition. We kept on saying, no, this is God's promised child to us. He is fine. He is perfect. And in Jesus' name, he is there's nothing wrong with this child. Satan was trying to take him out, but we wouldn't have anything of it. In fact, it's interesting. My husband, we were going to name him Sam after Samuel, but my husband said, no, his name is Benjamin. And then the name Benjamin means favored child or child of my right hand. And so we knew that this child is for us, our favored child. God had favor upon this child, and there was no way Satan was going to take him. We just wouldn't hear anything of it. Um, after three abnormal brain scans showing brain damage and 11 days in the NICU, we were able to take him home. We were told that his lungs would take 10 days to heal. They healed in one day. We were told that his damaged shoulder would take months of therapy and they even had to tape his arm down while he was in the NICU to protect his arm from further damage. But one week after he was born, he ripped the tape free and was flailing his arm over his head. And the doctors were in awe of this. They said, oh my goodness, look at this. This is a miracle. When we got to take him home after only 11 days, he was still having seizures, but we watched day after day as the seizures moved from his whole body down to just his arms and legs, then his legs, and then finally his right big toe would just kind of have a little seizure. (laughs) Then they left his body after six weeks. The seizures completely were gone. We took him to a pediatric neurologist at a, a children's hospital in Wisconsin where we lived, and they did the, the EEG on his brain where they had all of the, the wires hooked up to his head. After the, the scan was complete, the doctor said, I'm not a believer in God, but I have to say there was divine intervention here because your child's brain is perfect. We knew that God had healed our child. We refused to hear any negative speak about him. We would not give any airtime to what, this, what Satan had tried to do. Further down the road, when he was only 20 months in the crib, in the morning I would sit in there with him and he would name letters for me. We were driving down the road one day and he said, Mama, that's a Z. Mama, that's an M. And he was only 20 months old. Started to name the shapes at just two years old. And I thought to myself, Yes, Lord, you have restored what Satan tried to take away. There's nothing wrong with this child's brain. And to this day, he's an all-A student and doing well. Happy 12-year-old. So we give all the glory to God. We refuse to let Satan even have us having the right of suing, which we you know, could have done. But we chose not to because we wanted to give God the glory and not let Satan have any of it. So That's an amazing, amazing story. I've enjoyed it completely. Well, well how God about... The glory. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, there's just 
so many facets, like you said, to this. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, especially my husband being in the medical field. And, you know, I know other people that have gone through this. Praise God, God has given them a child as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that one happened after they adopted, oh. adopted one. And yeah. then later on, they ended up finally having it. But you know what? There are people that are right in the middle of it, and they could use encouragement. But how about you take the liberty and pray for them? I absolutely will. Precious Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we want to thank you, first of all, for your love for us. Thank you that you care about every detail of our lives, and you want us who desire this gift of being a parent. You, it is your desire for us to have children and to bring them up in the way that you would have them go, Lord. And I just pray for each person who is listening right now, Heavenly Father, that is going through this time of trial and struggle. I pray that you will minister to that, that deep ache, that deep sorrow, and that you will just hold them in your arms. Let them know that you care for them, that you see what they are going through. And I just pray, Lord God, that they will lay this burden that they carry at your feet and trust you with it, Lord God. That they will trust you with their desire to be parents. That you care so much for them in this area. God, I just pray that they will not grieve and carry sorrow about this, but instead that they will delight in you. That they will learn to place their trust in you, O oh God, and feel encouraged. That they can feel encouraged by this word today, I just pray, O oh God, that even if many years pass, that they will not lose hope because our hope is in you. Our hope is in you and nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Nothing. I just pray these things for these precious men and women who are listening today. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, Beth, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you, thank you. And blessings to you. So today we say that's a wrap.